Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This is another installment in the What Do Men Think series, and I will be moving toward wrapping this series up, but I wanted to squeeze in some more some more men that I think have something good to offer to some of you listening out there. So today, uh, sitting across the table from me, I have a, a gentleman named, he's going to go by the name of Mario. <laughs> Mario. Mario, welcome to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. And how old are you, Mario? Uh, I am soon to be 22 years old. Okay. So I'm a recent college graduate right in that little area of life where I have no idea what I'm doing, but need to know what I'm doing. So 22, 21 right now. Well, that's good because there's going to be people listening, young men listening who can absolutely relate to right where you're at. And are you married, divorced, remarried, single? I am single, but dating. I'm in a serious enough relationship. Okay. No engagement, no ring in the near future, but I like her. Uh huh. So. All right. Did, <laughs> you have any kids? No kids. No kids. No kids. Yeah. This one's staying pretty simple. What about, <laughs> what about your line of work? What do you do? Or what uh, are you going to be doing? Yeah. So I'm starting in, um, in the next couple of weeks, I'm starting my first career type job, which is in sales. So. Okay. And do you do any involvement in the community outside of work i do um i'm i'm active in the church is that is that yeah what yeah where? anything okay. if yeah, you yeah. volunteer anywhere and there's no right answer it's just something that kind of it helps somebody listening sure. to kind of kind of draw a mental image of sort of who is this person okay. on the microphone okay um yeah i i'm pretty active in, in local church um do all sorts of things uh, whether that's helping out with children's on sunday or um, whatever. It's a lot of myriad of different things that the church has me do. So, yeah. Okay. All right, Mario. Well, let's get started here. So if you were to grab a handful of the issues faced by men today, let's say young men that you notice around your age even, what do you think that men your age, what issues do you think they, that stand out to you that the guys in their late teens to mid-20s face and why would those stand out to you? So I would say just as a blanket for all of these things, I think people my age are horrible at seeing any sort of long term picture. So like the next year I've got down, I've, I'm, I have an idea of what that can look like the next three years. I, I can know what that looks like, but like thinking ahead 30 years in advance, nobody my age is good at that. I'm not good at that. Um, and so I think some of the issues that that you could name, some of these um, grab bag of of really difficult things that men are dealing with, my age especially, some of that is caused by the lack of being able to see into what a future would be, if that makes any sort of sense. No, it does. Um, so like I you know, turned 21 a couple, 10 months ago. And so you know what comes with being 21 is I see all my friends who are you know, not taking super good care of their bodies. And, um, and that's one of those long-term things that I, I'm like, all right, well maybe a binge drinking episode and a Taco Bell run after isn't the best thing you can be doing for your health. And, um, and so that's, that's some of it is like the, just the inability to see ahead, if that makes sense. And so I think that there's a lot of the mental health, health issues that come with that. I think for men, particularly at this age, Loneliness is big. Um, so even with guys in their 20s or early 20s? I just think, teens. especially once you get out of the college scene, 
making friends is kind of tough. Like just, there's a, there's a massive difference in between in college, you, uh, you live on the same floor as many other guys. You go to classes with many other guys. All of them are friends. Yet the difference is when I look at, you know, an adult in his fifties, his friends are the neighbor across the street (laughs) and like, it's just friends change. And I think it's this little age period that, that I'm entering into where like it, it becomes difficult to make friends. Um, so loneliness I think is big. It is a big transition period, it, mm-hmm. and it is a tough transition period at times. Mm-hmm. So loneliness, which I wouldn't have necessarily thought of. That's why I like having people from different ages, especially younger guys, on here, because I do want to help reach younger guys who aren't maybe going to go, just like you. They're not connected. To, well, you are, but another 21-year-old who's left college has no sense of connection. Maybe in some place he's never lived before. It just feels like he's in the middle of a desert. Mm -hmm. Sometimes hearing that, oh, oh, I'm not the only 22-year-old or 21-year-old who's struggling with loneliness. Like, maybe it's more common. Maybe the guy I see at the store, maybe I should just go up and say hi to him because maybe he's just as lonely as I am. Yeah. And what I think it's like probably one of the biggest reasons why you do this podcast is because guys aren't particularly good about talking about it. You know, that's that's the tricky part for all the mental health issues is – Man, if they would just open up, if they would be willing to tell somebody, um, and that's true for loneliness too. You know? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And most men feel alone. That's why I named this. You're not alone. So that seems to be the one message that resonates the most with men, and makes them pause for just a second. Yep. And they're kind of shocked. Yeah. So, so just ferret out a few. Like, so loneliness. Is there any? I mean, obviously, I mean, twenty one. I can't say I was any different. You know, I, that was not the brightest year of my life. Um, I definitely got into plenty of trouble when I was 21. Like, what other issues do you see? Because I, I can't stand in a 20-something shoes anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm too far removed from it. Mm-hmm. So also for other fathers listening, you know, guys with 20-year-old dads with kids, you're eight, you know, young, grown young men your age, they probably feel almost as detached as I do. Like, you want to know, but I don't hang out with a bunch of 20-year-olds because they think it's kind of weird, you know? Like, who's the old fart that came to the movie with us? You know, like, so how do you, like, what do you see in men your age? Is there anything specific you see them, either that the loneliness pushes them to, other than the drinking, or is there anything else that they struggle with? Yeah, I mean... The the short answer is that seems to be different for everybody. Of course, I don't I don't think that solves any of or answers any of any question you ask. But like for me, it was I had a little bit of, and I know you want you want to talk about this later. But loneliness for me just sent me into a period of isolation, and I had people close to me, people that I could talk to, but just the feeling of like they won't understand what it's like, and so that was that was like this. It, and that was the loneliest that I have ever felt. That was probably the only period where I was like, yeah, I was lonely then. And I was living on a, I was the RA of a um, Christian college floor where I had all these guys around me and professors who cared about me and, and a mom and a girlfriend who liked me. And like, I just had people yet there was loneliness. And so, so yeah, I mean, it, it I think one of the scarier things is just the isolation, the tendency that, you know, man, you're not alone is, 
that's that's what men tend to think when in periods of loneliness is nobody will understand what I'm going through. So did you shift out of that and start? Did you start taking a gamble and talk to people? Yeah, there was a moment where I realized I talked. I finally talked to one person. It was a mentor of mine. I texted him. I was like, "Hey, can I come? I just need to get some stuff off my chest." And he was like, "Okay." And so I went in there and talked. And he he said, "Am I the first person you've told this?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Dude, you have to tell your girlfriend. Like, you you have to tell people that are close to you." And it was almost just like a "What are you doing?" kind of thing. And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." So so yeah, it was just it was definitely a switch where I. It took me a while to realize how in bad shape I was mentally. And then that whole thing of like admitting to yourself that you're not doing well is, is a hard thing. So it is. Mm-hmm. It did. So when you, um, for the guy that's out there listening, that is where you were. So when you did that, like what was the impact in your life when you decided, like when you went to this mentor, you told him, I'm assuming you went and told your girlfriend. Mm hmm. Like, how did that change anything in you or change your outlook at all? Initially, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it does. Like, it just, it's so, and I think about this even currently, like sometimes just rehashing out some of that, some of the emotions and, and I'm not, I'm not a very emotional guy. Like I, I don't cry much. I don't, when things that make me sad, like don't make me sad. I don't know. Maybe it's like borderline personalities or I don't know. No, what it is, it's but not. It's not. <laughs> um, it is not. But like just reliving some of these emotions and having to like carry others on the journey. And, I, and I'll just go into, I, I don't know if. You can do it. It's a, it's a, it's so a, what happened was my dad passed away okay. a year ago in September. Okay. And so it was a re- pretty recent thing. And so he, I, he passed away when I was at school. Okay. And, um, I had like, I had the chance to say goodbye to him, but I was upset with him cause he had some struggles that kind of hurt the family. And so I had a chance to like hug him goodbye before I left for school in August. And I chose not to, and just pulled out of the driveway and left for school. And the next time I was home was his funeral. Like just all that sort of like sure. grief that was just from the feeling of, man, I could have, I could have made that right. Or I could have fixed that or could have done anything else. So I didn't know anybody at the time whose dad passed away. I didn't know, like my age, I didn't know anybody who was like, yeah, I've been through that. And also like everybody's relationship with a parent is different. And so like the journey of like, I knew I needed to tell people, but it was so hard to tell people because some people didn't understand everything. You know what I mean? Like I would have been perfect if somebody knew my dad and knew the situation and knew how he made me feel. And like I didn't have to bring them on that journey, but yeah. here I am having to rehash out like 15 years of, oh, this is what my dad was like, and you know, and then having to bring them on the journey of what where where I'm at now. So just, I mean, it's 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 what you have to do to get out of a period of isolation or loneliness is to lean on people. But man, it's one of the most exhausting things to do. Like I would just, I would go back to the room and sit on the couch and just like sit there no tv no music i'm just like head back just ah like today was horrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's good and it is hard because i do i try not to make guys i know how painful memories can be and so i try not to make guys rehash it mm-hmm. does get hard to rehash mm-hmm. stuff and especially the more complex you know the history is it it, it feels overwhelming every time you start it yeah, and then you just can't put them there. If they didn't travel the journey with you, it's hard. But 
Yeah. There are a surprising number of I, I there's uh, there's a lot of guys I didn't know their fathers had recently passed away. So I was surprised. Mm-hmm. And I didn't random I just randomly picked all you guys. So it's a it's it's kind of startling how many men who have sat down on this table whose fathers have recently passed away. Hmm. And I think that there's something if it gives you any hope I think it's done something to your character, the same thing that made me pick you to come do this. I think there's something that it strengthened in your character or something that just made you, there's something depth in your conversation or something that life is real to you. Mm -hmm. It's real and it's mortal and there's a timeline. It's your days are not, you know, they're not, they don't go off into eternity, you know, here on this earth. And so maybe that's, what has drawn me to man? It's just kind of a, just sitting here listening to you made me think that maybe I understand part of what has given the men who have sat here their depth. Mm-hmm. Or, well, and that is true. Like you pick up on that. Just like if I have somebody who's close to me and we have a conversation that doesn't go super well, like I have the immediacy now, like the urgency of I got I got to fix this. Like I could hop in the car and bend it or anything, and and something is just knowing the grief that I felt from not being able to resolve conflicts or anything with my dad. it's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta be quick to, to make things right with people. So there is some of that. Yeah. The there's time is limited. Yeah. You're right. It changes. It changes who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to not be such a barger until I lost like my sixth friend to suicide. That was my high school, college years. And two of them I suspected strongly that they were going to commit suicide and I didn't do anything about it. Yeah. I said, never again. Yeah. I, Cause I didn't want to go barge. Didn't want to impose. And now I will bust somebody's door down. If I think that they're even close to yeah. it, it changes who you are. Yeah. Well, that's, that's probably an issue that you've talked a lot about on the, on the podcast is suicide. And I haven't really covered much of it yet. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't delved into a whole lot yet. Okay. I'm sort of slow walking into this. Okay. Because I should have done my research. I'm sorry. I should have. Like, no, I'm glad you actually didn't listen to it. Actually, <laughs> it's been beneficial that, that pretty much every one of the guys who sat down hasn't listened to a single episode because it doesn't bias you in any way. It gives, sure. You're just a transparent. It's just it, it is what I'm just on your mind. And it is absolutely. And I think this is going to illustrate anybody who's listened along the way will see the distinctive pattern in how men think what's important to them, what's changed their lives, who's made an impact. Mm-hmm. Like none of this is scripted. And none of these guys, all of these guys at some point have thought they're alone. And I'm like, go back and listen to all of these interviews. And you tell me these guys couldn't have been your brothers because you're describing so much of the same mm. thing. But yet everybody thinks they're alone. Yeah, it's. I think it's absolutely marvelous. I want people to find it for themselves. So I'm just kind of helping bump them along mm-hmm. the way to mm-hmm. see it. So it's not me forcing it down their throat they can just see it it'll be right in front of them i don't know if this one is going to be um i just throw this question in there um in the last couple of years in the u.s um because i asked you more of a big picture thing with the previous question so short term have you noticed anything in the last couple of years any type of shift in especially younger people Mm -hmm. and the culture around younger people have you noticed any shift with lockdowns and things like that. Like there's just been some things that have changed. I've seen it definitely in older, older guys, families Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but I don't know. Has anybody seen anything in younger men? Yeah. 
And and it's not only just the lockdown, it's the all the um, politicized stuff that's happened in the last however long. It's it goes even further than just the, the COVID-19 situation. And like I think of friends of mine who are starting their careers and it's it's at their kitchen table working from home five days a week and doesn't help the problem that we were just talking about a minute ago with with loneliness. And um, but I think young people are and I always make fun of because anytime you say the de- like say young people, you've immediately missed the demographic, right? Like <laughs> my boss is 35 and she'll say young people. And it's like, all right, you have no idea who you're talking to. Now. <laughs> young people is a horrible phrase. But um, anyway, just people my age and younger are, I think, let me say this. Everybody jokes with millennials about how they, they don't work and all these sort of things. And I think the demographic of me 2000s and 2000 babies and up is like go-getters, which has been something that's been really cool to see. Um, and some of that has been evident in, um, like for example, some of the, the race stuff that has happened in, in America in the past couple summers. And, um, you just see students and, and adolescents and young college kids who are just like willing to, um, do hard things, which is, I think is, is neat to see. Um, I, like I hear this question and I hear it in a negative connotation yet. I don't necessarily take it in that way. Like, uh-huh. like people who are starting college right now are absurd. They're out of their mind because what has college been like in the last couple of years and what was their high school like for the past couple of years and where they've been sent home and all this uncertainty and that takes a brave person to deal with uncertainty and say, I'm going to put 20,000 down this semester on school and go, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just absurd. So, um, yeah, I just, I just see people my age are, are just really passionate and driven, which is cool to see. Um, and maybe that's just what I see on social media and et cetera, but. The people are like, I mean, it, it's encouraging. I know like my son is, is he's, a highly motivated mm-hmm. young man and, and he kind of gets irritated watching people just sort of while away their lives with yep. nonsense. So, so you do see like in guys in their twenties right now, you think they're pretty. Yeah. Of course it goes on both ends of the spectrum, right? Like there's, there's people that I see that it's like, dude, you're, you're ruining it right now real quick, you know? <laughs> and then there's people who, who are that way. So it's, Again, it's all across the spectrum. It's a grab bag of, of people and sure. experiences and stories that we aren't able to develop with them. But yeah. All right. Well, as you look back over your life, Mario, were there any men who made a significantly positive impact or caused a positive course correction in your life? If yes, who were they and how did they do that? So the first one that I always think of was my... That's my coffee maker. That's perfect timing. We're just going to let it roll. There we go. Okay. All right. The The first person that comes to mind every time I think of this question is my high school calculus teacher, which is always funny, but he was, he was a 50 um, year old guy who had adopted a couple kids and married late in his life and, but just like never questioned his, his motives. Like he was also my small group leader at church and, but just the, the calculus side of him was very like logical thinking and, you know, a frustration of mine uh, with, with the church side of things is just like, 
the phrase, um, like without a shadow of a doubt, it's just like, okay, come on. Like, I know you may doubt a little bit. And he like kind of instilled in me the like ask questions kind of thing. Um, he would always, you know, cause in high school you, you have a lot of life decisions to be made and questioning where do I want to go to college, but where, you know, in the faith based realm, it's where does God want me to go? Like, what is, what is this decision and how does God be involved in that? You know, those are questions that I was asking and friends of mine in the same small group were asking too. And, and he kind of said this phrase that like, he only said it once and I wrote it down in my phone and I think about it all the time. And he's just like, you know, God gave you a brain. And sometimes if you just do things to the best of your ability with all your heart and for his glory, that's the, that's exactly what he wants from you. And I was just like, shoot, like we just do this, like, and, and the, I don't, I don't mean to say anything offensive to any person's faith or anything, but I just feel like people do these willy nilly, like, um, well, I'll just, I'll just do this. Cause I feel this, you know yeah. what I mean? And, um, but he was just like, no, think logically about it. You know, if you, if you work at it hard, if you give it your best, like God will be honored that you used your brain in that process. And I was just like blown away that I was a sophomore in high school and heard that wisdom I was just like, what? Like, dude, that's insane. And so he just kind of instilled in this, me this, like, this logical thinking kind of, I always say skeptic, like the moment I hear something, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. And so, yeah, he was, he was the first who just taught me how to think well. Your calculus um, teacher. Yeah. My high school calculus teacher. Good guy. Good guy. So yeah, he's, he's the biggest one that I think of. That's, and it's funny that, and if you're a teacher, again, listen, I know life is hell right now. If you're a teacher, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig in this country right now. But if you don't think you make a difference, I've got a, a well-directed young man sitting across the table from me. He could have grabbed any guy from his past, and he grabbed a calculus teacher from high school. So if you don't think that you're making an impact, you are. One way or the other, positive or negative, you are impacting the young men around you. So, However, I don't know anything about calculus four years out of, of his calculus class. And it's probably hurt you all your opportunities severely. Severely. No yeah. derivative knowledge or... I don't even know the terms anymore. I've, I've lost all the knowledge. Yeah, I don't remember any of it. I aced calculus. So teachers, I mean, yeah, teachers. you do make an impact, but if you're calculus, don't expect all your kids to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you focus on the impact. And, and if the calculus sticks, it sticks. But. And that's what it was for him. It was this purpose of, like, he was a teacher, but that being a teacher was a means to an end, is he wanted to help kids out. And Was that his passion? It was. Teaching? Well... I think his passion was being an aide to students um, and he was just good at math and that was the, the way that he decided to get his foot in the door, if you will. And so he, like he coaches middle school football just because he likes being with students. And so he just, that was the, that was the impact that he wanted to make and that's the avenue that he chose to, to use. So that's pretty sweet, man. Anybody else? Yeah. I'm trying to think of somebody outside of the church because, you know, I, my youth minister in high school, like I followed him to Knoxville, Tennessee and went to school where he took a job. And so just kind of followed him around. It's okay. Um, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's another man. I mean, it's as legit as any other man. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, I don't, there's no, there's no guideline on this podcast. So, yep. I, my very best friend, we were a sophomore in high school and his mom had an affair 
And his dad was just the type of guy that was like, I can't believe somebody would hurt such an innocent man. Like, like this guy's never done anything wrong. I remember like spending time with him at his house when it's now empty. The, the wife is gone and the sisters of his are now with the mom instead of living with the dad. So just like he just lost so much so quickly sure. and just seeing how he handled hard stuff. I was like, I really admire that because he was okay with talking about it. Um, he recognized that, you know, he, that was one of the hardest things that some adult man can go through yet. He wasn't wallowing in it. And he's like, I have to do something about this. I have to get myself from point A to point B. And so that was admirable for me to watch was just like how somebody handles tough stuff. And this was your best friend. How long ago was this? Um, well, let's see. Ballpark. Five years. Okay. Yep. All right. So I know you know that anybody else. Well, wait, I don't want to, I don't want to cut you out. No, I don't. There's, of course I could name names, but those are the big ones that okay. have definitely, well, no, I guess, I guess another friend of mine, I, would, I had this high school girlfriend. It was middle school, early high school. And at the time there was some, some porn addiction going on in my life and just led me to do some really not good things with this girl. And nobody knew and I was that's how I wanted it you know you know sure you do something private you don't want people to know and but I, I somehow it it got out and one of my very best friends was like hey I heard you're doing this you should not be doing this and it changed me forever because I was just like in that moment I was like you're right and you care about me enough to bring it to me and just say like so just that confrontation I'm a I'm I am a pretty confrontational person now. And I think it's because of that moment. Like somebody was willing to say, you're doing this wrong and you, you shouldn't be. So yeah, there's, there's moments like that, that have like totally changed how I, how I think or how, you know, just a little bump Mm -hmm. made a big difference. Mm -hmm. All right. So I know you kind of partially answered this one, but let's, let's go into this one. So has there ever been a time in your life when you let yourself become isolated? And if you did, how did you get out of that? How would, how did you travel back out of that? Yeah, so I, I, I can take this in a, a little bit more depth. So dad passed and I was at school and then went home for the funeral, but immediately had to go back to school to finish out the semester. And so I had a couple of months where I was at school. My, the rest of my family was at home and I was hearing stories about how they were struggling with it and they were having a really hard time that I'm at school and busy and surrounded by friends and all these sort of things to where I thought I was doing really well. For whatever reason, I thought that I was healing and I was moved on, if you will. Um, While meantime, my family was really having a hard time. And so I don't know why, but I just assumed that I had things figured out and they didn't. And it wasn't until I went home for that winter break. So December through the beginning of January. So is this at the time you mentioned that you were an RA mm-hmm. and surrounded by a lot of people, but felt alone yep. or lonely? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, this is before that. This okay. is before, before that. that. Yeah. So I go home for winter break and very quickly realize that I wasn't just doing better than them. I was avoiding it entirely. So like being in the home where my dad should have been and all these sort of things, driving his truck and, you know, all these moments that my family was having the entire time that I was at school are suddenly hitting me right now. And so that like early December to early January period was like me recognizing how, how, how much I really was struggling and just 
had the opportunity to avoid it and took every opportunity to avoid it. And so that period of, of isolation came out of that where I knew that I was struggling. I knew that it was really hard and um, I wasn't doing well, yet I didn't want to talk about it. Um, I didn't want to fill people in. And then, of course, the the whole backstory of, of the relationship and all these things that just takes so much emotional energy to, to talk through. So, yeah, so that was the period of isolation where I probably deep down, I probably knew I needed to talk to somebody, but it took a lot of struggle. It took a lot of hard days. And, and what really what, what made me realize it was, um, in college, you wouldn't be able to tell just by looking at me, but I, uh, I was like a five forty five in the gym type person. So the gym opened at six and I was there at five forty five every morning. And that January, when I came back to school after all that, and after all the emotional stuff, like I never once woke up and to that alarm. I said it every morning, I would snooze it every morning. And that was the only time in college that I had ever like consciously decided that I wasn't going to. And it was just like, wow, like maybe something's up. Like this is, this is something that I care about. This is something that, and I know all the, like the, um, like if you're depressed, you experience this or you feel this. And like some of those were becoming true. And that was the catalyst that made me realize like, maybe something's up. Like I'm not waking up at 6am to, to go to the gym. And as dumb as that sounds, like that was the trigger for me to realize like, okay, like maybe something more serious is, is going on. Um, and so once I started to notice that, you know, it's, it's like when you're car shopping and you've found the car you want, and you, but you haven't bought it yet. And you just keep seeing this car everywhere. <laughs> and it was, it was that moment for me of like, I know the signs of um, struggling with depression. And now that I'm starting to see some of them, like they're all there. And so I just allowed myself to, to wallow in it kind of and, and feel sorry for myself. And so, yeah, that's a 3,000, 30,000 feet of, of that. No, that's good. Cause this is, there's going to be guy there's going to be plenty of guys out there that's listening that are less than a degree of separation from what you just talked of. Mm-hmm. So, so like coming back out of that isolation, what did that journey look like? Like what kind of got you knocked back into the driving lane? Yeah. And I went to professional help. So I did counseling for the first time that I'd ever done counseling. And ultimately counseling is just talking about it, you know, being willing to sit with something for a while and ask difficult questions. And and so that's, that's what that period was for me. It was, uh, starting in late January, I started meeting with a counselor and I saw that through till May till I was done with school. So yeah, that was, that was sort of the, what helped me get to a healthier place. Um, then there was this other, what eventually what turned into my struggle was not only the questions that I had about my dad and his death and what that means, it also transferred to questions that I had about God. And I was at a Christian school studying to be a pastor. And so then that in hand affects how I feel about the career or the college degree that I have or that I'm working towards. And then any sort of future, like thinking long-term, like I have these questions about this, which leads to questions about this, which leads to questions about this, which like, what is my future? And so I had this whole period where I was like, I had job offers. I had internship offers and I was just like, I don't know if I want to do any of this. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm set suitable for doing any of this. So yeah. So it was that period of asking so many questions and doubting so much about myself and what I wanted to do and all these sort of things. And, you know, I'll be a month removed from uh, Christian college 
working to be a preacher and I'll be working in sales. Like I said earlier, like yeah. just a crazy journey of how, how I ended up here. But that's pretty, uh, that's, a, that, I mean, that's good. I'm glad that, so it, it, you're now, you're about 15 months beyond your father's passing yep, right now, months. somewhere in that months. neighborhood. Yep. And so is it, because I know healing's a journey. It is not, mm-hmm. it, that's shocking to a lot of men. Like, oh, I'm just better. I'm like, no, you're not just better. Like that's a that's a journey, man. It's it's okay. Let it take its time. Yeah. And people throw out numbers to it, which I just think is absurd. Because there's just no way to quantify no. anything like that. What is true though, like I was in Washington, DC a couple months ago, or a couple weeks ago actually. I was sitting outside the Washington Monument and I've been to DC many times, so I I don't have to do all the things. So I just pick a monument and sit out there and read a book and whatever. So the Washington Monument is the one that I chose and I'm sitting there, nothing to do. It's like 10 a.m. I got a cup of coffee there and I was like, well, I'll, I'll call my mom. So I call mom, rings a bunch, she doesn't answer. I was like, okay, well, I'll call my girlfriend. So rings a bunch, she doesn't answer. And I had that moment where like, for the first time in a long time, I was just like, man, I really want to call dad. And there was like some relationship things there that I didn't usually call dad, but that was the moment where my life's changing. I'm graduating soon. I'm selecting a job and where I'm going to live and all these sort of things. I'm like, I want to update dad. And I just had this moment where I'm sitting right outside the Washington Monument, like in tears. And it just, it just is like that. Like there's, I recognize that like now I would say I'm doing well, but I, I expect that to happen my whole life of moments where it's like, man, I wish I could reach out to dad. And, and even my dad was very good with cars and there's moments where it's like, something sounds wrong in my car. Like I want to call dad. And there's just moments of that, that I will probably experience for a long time. And so yeah, 15 months out, I feel like I'm doing well. I feel like I'm in a much healthier spot than I was earlier on in 2021. But I just recognize that, that I'll have struggles with this my whole life. And some of that's a good struggle and some of it's the difficult struggle, but it's all a part of, of the unfolding story of, of who I become as a father and who I become as a husband and who I am when I'm his age and all these sort of things. So just for the guy listening that that is, say, in the moment where maybe yesterday he learned that his father passed away or a, a month ago. So you were just there. Mm-hmm. So it's real easy for a young man to think that things are hopeless mm-hmm. at that point, are they? No, but it's good to wrestle with. I think that's an important question to ask. I had some some guidance in that beginning period. Actually, the person that broke the news, it wasn't a phone call from mom. It was somebody that somebody showed up at the house and reached out to a person in Tennessee and was like, hey, you need to get this person over your house. And so um, anyway... So a mentor of mine broke the news to me about my dad and was willing to sit with that and was great. And then at the end of it, I was about to leave his house and he said, here's what I'm going to ask you. Don't do anything crazy. I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, don't drive home right now. It's, it's late. There's, you have a lot in your head right now. Don't drive home. Don't, um, don't pick up the bottle. Don't start drinking. Don't resolve to sex. Don't do all these crazy things. I was like, man. And I recently had a friend who experienced loss and I told her the same thing. I was like, don't do anything crazy right now. Like I, it would be really easy as a 21 year old girl to go to a party and 
and drink a bunch and forget about it. It'd be yeah. really freaking easy to do that. And she messaged me after and she was like, you're right. Like that would have been really easy to do. And so, yeah, I, there is that hopeless feeling that's, that's, it's important to work through for sure. But then there's also other ways that people cope and manage with stuff like that, that is both unhealthy at times and healthy at times. And it's, so for the person who's listening that just found out about their dad yesterday, I would say, don't do anything crazy. Um, yeah. The smoke does start to clear immediately. No, not immediately, but it is. I mean, I can look at you and see that the smoke has cleared some. Yeah. And, and it has just in the sense that it's something that I want to talk about. Like it's, just part of who I am and some of it, you know, you wrestle with for a long period of time, like from my dad struggled with alcoholism. And so this was kind of something that we had a little bit anticipated just cause he was putting himself in horrible health. So we, you know, this, this story of my relationship with my dad has unfolded for years, not just the past 15 months. Sure. Um, so yeah, they all do. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move you to the last question here. And okay. this one, I'm, I'm trying to think of, let's just say, because you're only 21. So let's say if I could put down a 15-year-old, 16-year-old version of you at the table here next to you. And you could give yourself something. What would you want to say to your 15 or 16-year-old self? Can I can I go back to 18? Can I can Yeah, I you can go to you could, yeah, you can do whatever. So my younger brother is 18. Okay. And I'm just thinking about like what what do I need to tell him? He's just got this chronic, horrible, debilitating trait of taking himself so seriously, which drives me crazy because he's 18 years old. He just started college and he just, he thinks everything is such a big deal. And it's just like, dude, don't take yourself so seriously. And, and part of it is, you know, figuring out what he wants to do with his life. And part of it's dealing with dad stuff. Um, he's also the only the only one at home with my mom. And so he's got to take care of the house a little bit and take care of mom a little bit. Um, he's works at a tire shop 20 hours a week along with full-time school. And he's got a girlfriend that I really hope he breaks up with, but that's, <laughs> that's nor here, neither here nor there. Um, but he just takes everything so seriously. And it's just like, dude, like, especially in this period of my life, he's talking about how little time he has and, this is the, this is the most time you'll ever have is when you're in college and you can work if you want you don't have to work if you don't want, you know, all these sort of things. Um, so what I would tell him today is don't take yourself so seriously. I don't know. Yeah. What about you at 18? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and it's true. Like people, when you're a teenager, when you're a kid, all you want to do is be an adult kind of, and it's that same sort of thing is, and I would say, and this is, I don't know, I would say I'm mature for a 21-year-old. And I was very mature for an 18-year-old just because I was kind of filling in those gaps for my my mom and what she didn't have in my dad and kind of playing that mediation role. So I kind of stepped into a familial role that most 18-year-olds don't have to step into. And which just, you know, that's, that's difficult. But I would probably tell myself a similar thing is just like don't wish time away you know like i i wanted so desperately to be moved out of the house and and be that adult even and even now it's like yeah i'm starting a job but i want to buy a house like I, you know all these different things it's like oh well like you really have to 
Um, and maybe some of that's changed since the passing of my dad and valuing the, the everyday side of things. And I remember a couple months ago, so I'd been doing this internship for seven months was the start to end date. And I was somewhere in between, not even in between, this is like July. So okay. I'm like two months in barely somebody invited me over to dinner and I already had dinner plans. I was, I went to the grocery store. I was going to make something for myself and just take it easy. But someone was like, Hey, how about you come over to dinner? And I remember telling somebody, I was like, you know, like I'm, I'm going to miss these people in five months when I'm gone, which is just so funny. Cause I, I was just getting started and sure. I was like, I need to take every advantage of going to this guy's house for dinner. Cause when I'm gone, I'm going to miss him. And so yeah, I, it's, it's a little, little bit of that wishing time away sort of thing. Did that it sounds like that's some again that's something that you learned uh, the brevity of opportunity mm-hmm. with your father. Mm-hmm. I so think that's true. That's a that's a huge value that will return a lot to younger men as you go through life. Mm-hmm. So the pain wasn't worth it was it was it'll it'll produce far more fruit. Mm-hmm. That's good for the men around you as you grow up as you get older. It'll you'll understand. Okay, I'd probably do it again. Sure. Because it did create something in me that there's no bluff in my eyes when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's different. And other men see that. Well, Mario, thank you for being on the Men You Are Not Alone podcast. I do appreciate it very much. It's nice oh, to have it. a younger guy it. back on. Good to chat with you. Yeah, thank you very much. And by chat with you, I mean chat at you. I think I did all of the talking. Well, that's kind of the point. <laughs> okay, good. I'm all just right. here to prod. All right. I'm more here to prod you than You do a good job while you do. You do a good job. All right, folks. Well, I hope that you have a great afternoon wherever life finds you today, and I will catch you on the next one.